Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. Hello and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. Joining me today from the UK is the Duke of Bettingham himself, (laughs) the co-host of Is It Worth It? A Film Podcast, Mr. David Long, how are you, sir? Been a long time. Andrew, it's always a privilege talking to you. It's great to be here. It's great to talk Oscars. Um, and I'm in awe of you. We tried to uh, watch everything film-related on, on Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast, and you've gone one step further. You're just watching everything that's ever been created. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're doing a, a damn good job at it, my friend. So, yeah, really looking forward to talking about the Oscars and um, yeah, it's it's going to be fun and it's going to cause me to lose my mind already more than I've already lost it. Put it that way. Of course. And yes, I, while I appreciate the uh, your sentiments and the compliment or whatever, it's exhausting and I don't recommend it to anyone <laughs> else on the planet. So <laughs> expect a different maybe uh, podcast that talks a big game, but who knows what we're going to cover as uh, the year progresses. David, of course, like I've been on your your podcast before, uh, and especially for the Road to the Oscars uh, segment you like to do every year. That's why I brought you on, of course, because we could talk Oscars all day. The nominations are officially out after, you know, stuff like Golden Globes and other nominating bodies have had their fun, too. We're gathering a lot of evidence as uh, Mm. time progresses here without getting too far into the guilds, which, of course, is... Probably the biggest precursors leading up into really yeah. knowing what's going on. So we're a little early, even though it's fun to talk at any point in the process, because that's when we go the most crazy. So <laughs> what I wanted to hear from you first is now that the nominations are out for the Oscars coming out in, if you could believe it, only a little over a month away. So we're, we're mm. right down into the the teeth of it now what are your general feelings after the nominations happened and you took it all in you know nominations day for me is one of my favorite days of the year as a as a film lover as a uh, a, i would say a wannabe oscars pundit someone who's always loved the oscars um it's always full of drama and it's always full of excitement and do you know what it was a strange one because there was a lot of things that i expected Mm -hmm. but there were a few curveballs and these curveballs were like ludicrous. <laughs> um, one, one obviously being um, I, my word, I've forgotten her name. Andrew that's, Riseborough. That's how Riseborough. That's it. She was that memorable that I, I forgot her <laughs> name. But Rise, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You couldn't make it up. No, Riseborough. Obviously, like that was a thing about a week or so before nominations. Yeah, and I thought this is like a Twitter film, Twitter thing. Obviously, there was a lot of big names behind her campaign, but I thought. I mean, this surely can't land, and and then it lands, and then there's obviously Viola Davis and and Deadweiler who 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 would be snubbed uh, if you want to call it a snub, which I do. You mentioned ev- well, you mentioned evidence, all the evidence for Viola Davis. She she hits everywhere. Yeah, Choice Globe, SAG, BAFTA. Like for someone like me that looks at the precursors, 
Like she has to be number one on your on your on your paper for predicting Oscars for an Oscar nomination, but she obviously missed. So yeah, it was it was exciting. There was a lot of drama. I mean, from a personal perspective, I'm I not a huge fan of everything everywhere all at once. Ooh, you're the um, one. <laughs> I, I, I have to be honest, it was one of not one of my least favorites of the year. I just really struggled with getting into the film. Now, mm. I appreciate the the performances are great, the editing's great, visually it's fantastic. Sure. So as a, as a film, like I can really get behind it, but for me personally, I struggled. So I did think, how is the Academy going to take to that kind of movie? Right. And very well is the answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, because obviously it leads with 11. I was delighted to see All Quiet on the Western Front uh, do well with nine after it's really good showing at BAFTA. Um, well, and remember, available. it was my number one choice of Netflix film of, of 2022. So that always carries a lot of weight, David. Well, it, well, well, of course. And I think the Academy, <laughs> both on my side of the pond and yours, has taken note. Of course. But in all seriousness, no. And, and, and you're right. I mean, it's it's not only the best Netflix have offered in 2022. It's I think it's legitimately one of the best things they've ever put up on their platform. I think yeah. it's a superb film. Yeah. And then, yeah, you know, there was a few other things that I think we could talk about. I mean, Women Talking, only two nominations, including Picture. I mean, that struck me as odd. There there was a moment there where we all were saying, is this movie going to get shut out? So honestly, to get two of the majors, I was Mm. a little shocked and almost considered them picking them for one of the stock up kind of things, only because they were nowhere for a long time. Yeah. No, absolutely. And but I think to myself, I, I'm, I sort of think, and this is where I lose my mind as someone who tries to predict the Oscars. Like, if you're in picture, best picture, then surely you're going to be p- appearing in, you know, the, some of the acting categories, cinematography, director. Right. I mean, no Sarah Polly. I remember looking at the betting market a few months ago, and Steven Spielberg was the strong favorite up top. And I thought she would be one of the people to challenge him. For sure. Um, she didn't even end up getting nominated. And then, yeah, I think there's a few dark horses in the race this year, uh, one of which, I say dark horse, it's hardly a dark horse, but Top Gun. You can have a fascinating conversation around that. Mm-hmm. But I'm learning, you know, I'm learning a lot about the Oscars, the the process of how the Academy votes. And I find it all fascinating because I've over the years, I've always been, I'm a little bit naive and maybe too lovable at heart. And I'm sort of like, <laughs> well, you know, the best the best picture will win best picture. Not always the case, in my opinion. Oh, never. Or the best performance <laughs> will be nominated. Um, and we see that often, you know, for example, Viola Davis, clearly the, the Hollywood Foreign Press, people at BAFTA, the Screen Actors Guild and the critics say one of the best of the year and the Academy shuts her out. So right. it's... <sighs> You know, it, it 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 can be it can be a, a, a frustrating thing to follow, but I'm learning as well about the power of campaigning, uh, and Riseborough really like she will be talked about for years and years in Oscars punditry. It would be like uh, they can't get nominated. I remember Riseborough did it. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, really excited. Um. I think the best picture race is fascinating, and I think the undercard as the night progresses is going to be really informative as to where the night is going you know i think if something like everything everywhere starts picking up momentum early doors i think it it will probably win picture but i said the power of the dog would probably win picture this time last year and again i was wrong so yeah 
<laughs> I know. I hear you. And same here, obviously. And the the one thing I, I'm I'm slowly coming to a realization is that I feel with how many members they added and the extra diversity and age and gender and race and everything mm. else that they've added over the years, I feel like we don't really know this academy yet. And I feel like the only evidence we really have to go off is maybe the last couple of years. And even then those have been COVID affected years. So we don't really have like a full look at what this new Academy is capable of or what they think of. I know it's weird to think of them as this giant monolith, but we kind of had evidence for like decades where there was kind of things where you can be, a better predictor of these things based mm. on what they've done in the past or based on uh, a lot of the precursors that led up to it or any of those things. But now it feels like the Oscars are kind of their own beast. And the closest thing that I could use as a predictor because of the, the number ratio and where they went internationally and everything else is that the BAFTAs were like a better metric in more recent years and then BAFTA went crazy and started doing <laughs> these like small little batch uh juries for mm. for their selections so i have no idea who to trust in the precursors mm. besides like maybe the guilds and even then that's not a slam dunk because if we learned anything about coda last year everything that you could have said like oh well it only had you know, three nominations. It's super rare to to get best picture out of that. Mm. Did it? Um, I don't even know if they're a favorite in the other two ones besides best picture. How they're gonna win it? Then they surprise people and and mm. took home like uh, I believe they won uh, best adapted screenplay, right, or something along those lines beforehand. It was one of the other major ones they were up for, and uh, so they ended up having some momentum at the end of the night where you're like, oh my god. This is amazing. And also in the last few years, the the film with the most nominations never wins. So you can't even tell me that like, oh, well, look at the show of strength here and this and that. It very rarely <laughs> works out that mm -hmm. way or it hasn't been that way in a few years. So I think so many things are up in the air. And I like to address some of the things you were saying. Uh, first and foremost, I guess I'll we'll touch on the the riseboro thing yeah that's going to be a case study uh for people yeah, yeah. to go with uh going forward however i think they're quickly addressing it i know uh uh the the actual academy ruled on whether it was an illegal campaign or did anything out of bounds and whether the nomination was going to be rescinded and they made their uh decision today and she's still in the race so I guess it wasn't crazy out of bounds, but I guess they said that they will be implementing new rules starting after this year's Oscars. So there was some line dancing, I guess, but maybe not rule breaking. I don't know. Like it was right there to where they don't want to have this type of thing happen again where it seems like the wrong people are doing the influencing in their minds or however it's working. I'm not quite sure, um, but definitely people are mad. Um, but even in that category, I think people are almost just as mad at Ana de Armas uh, getting in, even though she has precursor stuff that made it more of an idea that should have been uh, clear to happen. Um, but yeah, Viola Davis and Danielle Deadweiler seem to be 
especially at the beginning of all this, uh, the mm-hmm. the smart picks, the more logical picks. I think Danielle Detweiler, I don't want to say shot herself in the foot a little bit, but, but missing out on a speech moment early on in the process when she won for uh it was the uh the gothams or the spirit uh, the gothams right she won best actress at the gothams mm-hmm. and she didn't show up because she was either on i think they said she might have been on a, another movie or however it works and she couldn't make the time that's big when you're not like a household yep. name um that is a big deal but yeah and even outside of best actress um i feel like the the stock up candidates that i have written down and maybe you can tell me otherwise um, I have five films that I wrote down, All Quiet, which you mentioned, uh, having yep. many more nominations than m- many people thought, uh, Triangle of Sadness, uh, which was a surprise in Best Picture, let alone the fact that it lands in Best Director and mm-hmm. uh, Best Screenplay as well. Um, the Fablemans, I thought, was a stock up, especially when you consider getting in people like Judd Hirsch, which was mm-hmm. not always an early precursor love um, and had a potential to split votes with Paul Dano. Um, yeah. And then every everything everywhere all at once, obviously getting the most nominations and having a bunch of uh, show of strength nominations here with stuff like best song, best score, things like I didn't even think they were mm. on the radar for. And they show up uh, for that. Plus getting Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Sue in best supporting that's a big deal even though people thought that might happen and then maverick and maverick i think you know people thought like okay it's gonna do all the technical stuff but so is avatar and avatar has now made more money it's jim cameron you know he he might get into jim cameron might be in the in the director five so you know that might be more of a thing that doesn't happen top gun Mm. you know seems to go neck and neck with all the effects and production design and those type of things. And now it's landed in adapted screenplay, Mm -hmm. uh, which many people, when you think Top Gun Maverick, you're not thinking screenplay a lot. So I thought that was Mm -hmm. a big show of strength for them, which makes it kind of narrow down of like the 10 uh, best picture nominees. I don't see more than six having a a chance, even a sliver of a chance at best picture but of course again we said a lot of those things about coda early on and then that ball just kept you know rolling on and rolling on and then surprised us all um so where do you see like the the strength the the power positions the stock ups if you will uh happening here do you think i'm on the right track yeah i think i think you're you're hitting the nail on the head i mean to be honest i think that 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 screenplay nomination for Top Gun is really important. Um, it's a real sign of strength. It's a big stock up for its best picture chances. And I'll be honest, and I, I have thought about this a lot. If Cruz had slipped in, and this is if, by the way, if Cruz had slipped in at number five in actor, yeah, and it also had cinematography, like legitimately, I'd be thinking about possibly even saying it might win. Sure, like because I just think, and I've been listening i obviously listen to a, a lot of podcasts but there's a, a lot of talk about and particularly in england at the moment there's a lot of articles about the academy wants to be hip and trendy and and um really wants to you know award films that people are watching right and that obviously brings top gun and avatar right into play sure and out of those two legitimately the only one that could feasibly win picture is top gun um so yeah that was really really interesting uh, and another thing um, 
I just wanted to briefly mention, he mentioned it earlier, it was about the the, the speech uh, opportunity that mm. was missed. I could not agree more. I was really worried as someone who's been predicting Brendan Fraser for a, for since <laughs> middle of last year. And dare I say the Duke of Bettingham has laid some cash out on him to win. <laughs> sure. His campaign seemed to be really struggling. Do not underestimate the power of that critic's choice win. And I don't even just mean the statue and what that represents. Um, Cause obviously the critic's choice do like to, you know, predict the Oscars, Sure, but his speech and the fact that, that speech was all over the twi- all over Twitter, all over the internet, all over the world news, and it's just putting him slap bang back in the conversation. Um, and yeah, in terms of who's a player, like I was thinking about this, like you could legitimately make a very weak argument, and I mean very weak for almost all of the the pictures that are nominated, apart yeah. from Triangle of Sadness, because Triangle of Sadness has no PGA, I believe. No SAG Ensemble, no BAFTA. Like, I'd, unless I'm sort of boiling up some sort of poisonous chemical and inhaling it, I don't know how I can <laughs> <laughs> predict that to win picture. Sure. But really, you're, you're, you're bubbling down to, I think, everything, everywhere, all at once versus Banshees with Top Gun and the Fablemans, the two that could beat it. And I, but yeah. I like, think it, Elvis it, and Tar are very much on the periphery and what's weird not to cut you off but like Mm. the fablemans is an interesting thing where they have a few show of strength things here uh in in the actual oscar nominations but the one thing is that bafta didn't seem to be too in love with the fablemans at all and i don't know if that's going to count at the end of the day i think i want to see more nominations in the guild stateside to see where we yeah, where exactly. we land but so i don't want to count them out but at the same time yikes if that's a a decent part of the expanded body of your of your newly mem- uh, new membership mm. in the last few years going internationally and going in that direction uh, it's not great for for spielberg and company so mm. do you I feel like I said everything, everywhere. Banshees, Fablemans, Elvis, Tar, and Top Gun are kind of the real players. Then everybody else is kind of like cast aside. With mm. women talking, Triangle of Sadness, and All Quiet, weirdly for being that celebrated. I just don't think it has a chance at Best Picture. And, and frankly, mm. especially given Netflix's track record, I could see that potentially getting shut out or winning very, very little when it comes to Oscar night. Do you, how do you feel about all quiet's chances? Well, do you know what? I'm, I'm really pleased you mentioned Elvis and I'll come on to all quiet. Secondly, if you don't mind, because Elvis for me, when I look at the betting, Elvis is like almost the rank outsider. I.e., the bookmakers think it has the least chance of winning. Mm. And I, and I, I don't see that. Like particularly if Austin Butler was to um, win SAG and then obviously take actor, it has, I think eight nominations overall. Yeah. It's a Um, lot. It's a lot more than you thought. And also it's another film along with Avatar and Top Gun that a lot of people have seen. So I obviously know a lot of film nerds and we've seen everything or trying to see everything, (laughs) but like, Mates who aren't film buffs, I talk to them, what have you seen this year? I've seen Avatar, I've seen Top Gun, I've seen Elvis. And I think if the Academy's going to want to reward films that people are watching, Elvis certainly comes into it. And it's an interesting angle, and there is an angle for it to win, but it's it's like the eye of a needle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as for All Quiet, do you know, 
If it absolutely dismantled BAFTA, and I think it has 14 noms off the top of my head, yeah. if it like had an amazing BAFTA, I think it makes it an an outside contender. But the problem is, is it it's that's the British Academy. It's not the American Academy. And you know, I, if if All Quiet was also nominated for the Producers Guild, right? Uh, and say had a, a SAG Ensemble nomination because the 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 ensemble cast in that film is fantastic. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it'll be much more in the conversation. Um, but my 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 worry for All Quiet is a little bit like it's going to be a nine nomination film and it's going to sort of win. I haven't tallied it up, but very few. Um, I think it's nineteen seventeen. So, well, I th- to be honest, I thought it's it's, it's difficult and even to less them. because it's not a premier director. You know, if I had to compare them, I would say I preferred All Quiet on the Western Front. I thought it was a bit more gritty and real and um, really quite harrowing. Sure. Um, and I'd I'd like to see it do well. And you know, this has been a strange year for me because it's the year. It, briefly, it's been the year where when I follow the betting. Every film that's due to come out, people have been sort of backing. So when Babylon mm. hadn't come out, people were like, Babylon's going to win Best Picture. And then <laughs> yeah. before The Fablemans came out, oh, The Fablemans will win Best Picture. And all of this happened, and it was people were waiting for what was going to win Best Picture. And actually, what's ended up happening is people have been looking back, looking back to everything, everywhere, all at once, looking back to Top Gun. Yep. Um, and I've said before, and I... I need to rewatch all of them. I feel like it's a, some people are saying it's a great year. I feel it's a little bit weaker, but I have to remember and I'm learning that I have to take my personal opinion out of <laughs> analyzing the Oscars. Sure. Because if I was the Academy, a star is born would have won 400 Oscars, including <laughs> Lady Gaga, but I, I don't I'm think not you're an Academy member that. yet. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's really, it's, it, it is fascinating, but I think you're right with, with your analysis there. Um, and Triangle of Sadness is the one that legitimately, like, I think if that one picture, which it won't, uh, the world would just turn in on itself in a massive black hole. Yeah. Because it would make absolutely no sense it's, from, from a, like an, an, an analytical angle. Yeah. There's just no evidence for it to do that. Yeah. I know some people, for them, Elvis is the, the one that they're like, God, why is this here? I hated this thing or whatever and just couldn't stand it. Especially the Tom, the Tom Hanks of it all. I can't argue. It's, it's. It, mm. it had to really, really warm up as the movie went on. But I ended up liking that movie more than many other people, maybe in the critical side or people of a younger age, especially who don't have maybe as strong a relationship to Elvis or whatever. But I, I think mm. the, the movie is deserving to be there, whether you call it 10 or one is your own uh, mileage on it. But I think uh, as best especially knowing the last few years of like what's been celebrated. No one should be shocked that this ended up there. If Bo rap, mm. you know, ended up, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody ended up there. And a lot of these films that are even remotely close, at least get celebrated somehow. A lot of people, mm. if you talk to them months ago, they thought Elvis was a one nomination thing. It's all us and Butler and nothing else. The fact that we're seeing it in editing, the fact yeah. that we're seeing it, you know, uh, mm. across the board on kind of like some of the below the line stuff, like uh, production design and costume design and everything else, I think says a lot about how much love there is for it across mm. the board with the academy. So that's why I still kind of like count it in 
because it's just mm. something about everything everywhere all at once and the fact that like these movies in the last few years there's been no consensus pick and a lot of times they go all right well they spread the wealth more now than ever they're like mm. i feel like we're never gonna see like a silence of the lambs again we're not gonna yeah. see where it just a one film steamrolls the entire <laughs> night you know what i mean so it just feels like that's never going to happen again. And to happen mm. with a, a smaller film like Everything Everywhere All at Once would be a massive, massive thing. Because even uh, some of the smaller films that have been uh, more triumphant in the last, say, 10 years, you know, something like, say, a Moonlight or a Parasite mm. or things like that, they didn't win a ton on the night and they definitely didn't lead a lot on the nominations. You know, uh, so and a lot of people didn't pick them to win going in as well. This one, it's so weird to see such a small film be a front runner. And that's why I, I just feel like this odd sense of vulnerability. I'm like, it can't be this easy. You know what I mean? And especially with this Academy. Yeah. And I can tell you for a fact now that when it comes to doing my predictions a couple of days before the Oscars, I won't be predicting everything everywhere all at once. That's because I'm a bit of a, I've got a bit of a chip on my shoulder because I didn't like it. Um, right. So there's that angle, but it it just feels vulnerable. It's like, it's, it's definitely up top. It's leading the pack, but it's got like a massive target on its back. Yeah. And it's like something like Banshees or, or, or the Fablemans or Top Gun can just sort of sneak past at the last minute. Um, Cause that, that's how I, felt when i watched it i thought take my opinions out of this mm-hmm. how's the academy going to receive this film and i know we talked earlier about you know it's a more modern academy and more diverse academy and that will certainly help something like this um and probably be detrimental to something like the fablemans right um, but is it like i don't know i i think it would be it would be an extraordinary best picture winner um in the sense that it would be very different um i know recent years we've had things like parasite and coda so there is a a trend that times are changing yeah um but if i was to watch all 10 of these films you know just in a couple of days yeah and you said to me these are best picture nominees and i didn't know anything about the precursors i didn't know anything about how many oscar nominations it had everything everywhere all at once would be way down on my list of what i what i think the academy would vote for the Fablemans and Banshees and Tar um, would would be would be much higher than that. So I I'm with you. I I think it could it could get beat. Uh, I won't be predicting it, um, which means it will probably win. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so let's get to something that I uh, maybe kind of moves in with this. Do you see any slam dunk winners? Like, what's the strongest confidence that you have? in some of these categories. Cause to me, I have, I had three written down. Otherwise I think it's mm. pretty well spread out for certain things, but of the big awards, especially I, I have three that feel like the closest to, to slam dunk winners. Do you have any in mind? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple that, that stand out, not only from the precursors, from the evidence that we've got, but also looking at the betting odds. Um, I think, Gilmero de Toro's Pinocchio is as good a slam dunk as a slam dunk can be yeah. in animated yeah. feature. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. 
Marcel with shoes on or puss in boots. I, you can make a case, but I, I can't see that getting beat. So I think that's that's sort of pretty slam dunk. Uh, Kehu Kwan, everything everywhere all at once in supporting. Yeah. Again, I just think it's very hard to sort of pick against him, really. You've got two people in there from Banshees. Then you've got Judd Hirsch from the Fablemans and Brian Tyree Henry from Causeway, who I I think is delight, you know, great performance and he's delighted to be there. Yeah. So I think that's pretty locked up as well. Um, and then international feature. I think they're the same as you, actually. Yeah, yeah um, those are my in, three. In um, All Quiet in the Western Front, because it's like, you know, it has, what did we say it had? It had a good amount of nominations. Nine nominations. Nine nominations yeah including best picture i don't see how it loses international um so yeah there's i think those three are pretty nailed on at the moment but you know we've i well i've learned over the years that there's no such thing as a good thing you can ask glenn close that uh, she learned <laughs> that a few years ago so and uh the late great chadwick boseman as well you know we do see sure. surprises um but they would be my three that are pretty you know bulletproof or as bulletproof as one can be. I agree. And obviously, if somebody from that Banshees contingent especially overtook Kehu Kwan, I think that's an ultimate show of strength for Banshees where that might mean that they're going to win Best Picture. Because to me, my favorite thing of Everything Everywhere at Once was Kehu Kwan, which is obnoxious mm. probably to a lot of people because the movie is essentially a mother-daughter story. But I thought he was so compelling and has so many great speeches and moments mm. and things that he just drops in, as opposed to like he's kind of the person in the middle of this waging war that's going through such a spectacle mm. of a film that I think he, if he doesn't win, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a big sign that maybe the night is not going to go uh, everything mm. everywhere all at once his way. Um, well, the other two kind of dovetails into something else I like to talk to you about, of course, is the Netflix stuff. Because we mm. always think that, you know, Netflix always has a lot of nominations. They always have uh, usually more than one Best Picture nominee. This year, that is not the case. And they're also not the leading nomination uh, getter. But we've also talked in the past that, like, maybe it would be smarter for them to have less pictures yeah. to to focus on. And to really go after, like, category-specific things and be able to mm. really slam on some things. And I think they would be over the moon if All Quiet and Pinocchio win in their oh, yeah. respective categories. Because I don't think they uh, believe that they're going to win a ton up and down the card. I think you might get a couple of things for All Quiet, you know, in below the line stuff. But really, th those two are the ones that I think if they took them home, they're going to feel good about their year. What do you think about the, the Netflix thing and the fact that, you know... As far as streamers are concerned, they're really the only representatives. Yeah, I mean, it's we we um, we spoke in depth last year on uh, Road to the Oscars about the power of the streamers, and we looked at Amazon and Netflix and Disney and Apple, and it was a fascinating conversation. And I think Netflix have to be pleased. You know, if you win animated feature and best international feature, like that, that's a great success. And for me, it felt like Netflix's angle or has been over the last two years. It's just been content, content, content. You know, the more we put out, the more nominations we get, the more Oscars will win. And actually, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but when we spoke last year and the year before, 
the, the conversion ratio for Netflix was atrocious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. From, mm-hmm. f- from from the number of nominations to the number of Oscars that they were getting, it was really poor. Yeah. So actually, less nominations in you know and sort of targeting categories can can work for them in the way they campaign these films and the way they get the branch that they need to watch them to watch that film. Sure. Um, and the, 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 the streaming question is a really fascinating one. And I think COVID changed a lot about how we as a society view streaming services, how the Academy views streaming services. And it, it's an interesting conversation, but I think Netflix should be fairly pleased. Um, and I think, I will do the maths and I'll get back to you after the Oscars. <laughs> uh-huh. This will, pr- I, w- I would think this would be one of their better years in terms of uh, nominations to wins ratios, I would imagine. I would imagine too, because I think they have uh, 16 nominations this year. Usually they're in the 20s, uh, mm. as it seems every year. But the amount of wins they get is usually, you know, at best like two or three. So yeah. if they get two or three again, but they have less nominations, then sure, it just looks almost like a better yeah, it looks year. Better. And especially if, if you're them and you want to kind of not save face, but like what like White Noise is a perfect example of a movie that they mm. thought was gonna be here. And honestly, I like that movie the more I watch it. But the um the uh the absolute downfall or the 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 the, <laughs> the, the tragedy, I guess, of White Noise being like it was an opening night film in New York Film Festival. Mm. It did a lot of noise. I believe it was in Venice early on too. It was a it was a showcase type film, and yet it doesn't even sniff the Oscars uh, mm. as we get into here. So that's a story I haven't heard in a long time of something ha- being that pushed out, that prominent, and then to not land is uh, is a sad note. But again, if they win. For, for a couple of prominent mm. categories, I think they'll be pretty satisfied with that overall. Um, but yeah, the the streamer effect, it's 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 completely flipped from when Coda was. It's kind of, uh, we were wondering what the reaction was going to be. Was it going to be, oh, Coda won, is this now the time of the streamers? Or is it going to mm. you know be a backlash to it? And I'd say it's closer to the latter. But I mean, Apple's still in play with, they have a, a Causeway nomination so they can't feel completely empty-handed in a year where yeah. Scorsese's Killers of the mm. Flower Moon got pushed back and Will Smith's yeah. movie, you know, is compromised. So yeah. Yeah. for them to have anything, I'm sure they're a little bit encouraged, but it's not this big sweeping thing that we thought may occur uh, going into the year. But just one more Netflix point. Um, the one thing I did say af- on nomination morning is that, and I wonder if you either saw it or you agree or however, it feels like poor Edward Berger uh, for All Quiet, the director of All Quiet on the Western Front, he feels to me a lot like this year's Denis Villeneuve, where a Mm. lot of people should be like, wow, a movie got a bunch of nominations, you know, below the line for the picture itself and everything else, all these accomplishments, score, Mm. you name it, it's all there. And then not to end up in best director is just like it makes you scratch your head. Like, like, like the director doesn't have any influence on the success of the film. <laughs> like, what are we talking mm. about here? Why is Triangle of Sadness in there and not Edward Berger? That makes no sense. 
Yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. And it is it is um, a bit like Dennis Villanueva um, <laughs> yeah. last year with Dune. Because you look at a film like Dune or All Quiet, and particularly All Quiet, let's focus on that. I mean, you look at the way that they have, or he, the director, has crafted this film, put it yeah. all together. A film that, like, is very hard to do. Mm-hmm. And on, on such a, a broad scale, and everyone, you know, when 1917 came out, everyone was treating Sam Mendes like the second coming of Christ. You know, he was <laughs> the best the best thing since sliced bread. But, you know, this director here has nine Oscar nominations, but misses director, and it doesn't add up. And that's that's where I get frustrated as someone who likes to look at the stats and the, the evidence. I'm glad you mentioned the word evidence earlier because I've been thinking <laughs> a lot about well, like a solicitor, let me get the evidence together and see what I can do. I but think it's because I like, fell asleep watching Poker Face last night. I think it's <laughs> really happening. <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't make sense. You know, it, it legitimately doesn't make sense. And there are a few head scratches in there, but there always is. Um, you know, and it's it's an interesting one, but um, it's going to be very fascinating to see next year um, how Killers of the Flower Moon does. You mentioned earlier, and it made me laugh about something steamrolling. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's the kind of film that might do that. But again, it being an app, you know, an Apple TV release, you again, you'll scratch your head, and you know, if you're like me, you'll end up in a in a straight jacket and a padded cell. So yeah. It, <laughs> well, plus it's, it's an it's an Apple thing, but it's also a Scorsese thing because well, that's we it, could yeah. have a whole replay of the Irishman thing where we're like, mm. look at this cast, we can't. Yeah. You know, can't not have this win and and just out of nowhere, it's it's parasite mm. and other people just beating them at every turn. Yeah, um, and that and that's the thing because you know you put you take ten Oscars experts and you show them on paper the director and the cast and the you know the ultimate project of Parasite versus the Irishman. Mm-hmm. They're you know. Everyone's going to say, you know, what do you think is more likely to win more Oscars? Everyone would say the Irishman. Yeah. Because that is that. But things are changing. And, you know, it's exciting to see. But predicting it and following it, it makes it an absolute nightmare. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. We, we, this has been a great conversation, man. And obviously we'll have more to talk about as, as things progress here. Um, one last big thing. I'm curious to know the betting odds on mm. best animated short because I think for the first time in my life with sight unseen I am rooting the hardest for my year of dicks because I am internally <laughs> a 13 year old boy trapped in this body and I wonder are you also rooting for that is there is there good money on my year of dicks simply because it's a, a majority like male academy that rarely watches all these things part of me is thinking it's going to win sheerly on that alone um so yeah, actually that that's a it's a fascinating category and just the <laughs> names of that category it's There's like, one more in there too. What is it? Because I It I, is an ostrich told me the world is fake and I think I believe it. Yeah. Um, that's my other you know, one. If I if I had to I'm, I'm okay with either of those winning sight unseen. Um to answer your question, um the favorite in that category, i.e. the most likely to win according to the bookmakers is actually a uh, an animated short called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. I don't That's because it's Apple it. TV Plus and people um, can see it now. That's I it. 
I love that. Um, if you haven't seen The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse, I recommend it. It's a thoroughly heartbreaking little animated short. Um, My Year of Dicks is about seven to one, third favorite. Mm. And The Ostrich is the rank outsider at 12 to one. Mm. Um, and I was doing a little bit of research during my lunch break for, for this episode. I get an hour at lunch in the office and I Googled My Year of Dicks and I got some strange looks um, <laughs> from my work colleagues. And I did explain to them that I was going on a podcast and they said, yeah, sure, we've heard it yeah. before. <laughs> Listen, but there I, you go. It's all I know right now is I desperately wanted to win. So, who mm. do I? How many people do I have to contact, or can I contact Edward Norton directly? Because apparently his power over the Andrea Riseborough thing and everything else, mm. I want that for my year of dicks. So who's the celebrity <laughs> that I need to get out there for my year of dicks? Who's gonna you know come to my aid? Um, any famous Richards? Anything that we can do here to just get my year of dicks? Um, maybe a co-sponsorship, something with Dick Sporting Goods. Anything that can help. Um, yeah, that is yeah. going to do it is something that I want for this year, just to break up the monotony. Let's stop being so serious. Um, also, the one <laughs> thing uh, I want to keep an eye on too, David, and I'm uh, is remember when Coda won? What was the mm. thing that I said about Power of the Dog and why it was not going to win? Because it's a bummer. Yeah, bummer. And that's yeah, why, to me, I, I think anyone thinking Tar is going to win, I think, is out of their mind. Yeah. So and you can kind of tell with the ones that are kind of rising to the top, they're mm. more of like a, a fun or entertaining piece yeah. where I think, you know, I don't think Tar is I think Tar is falling back maybe because of that purpose. I think it yeah. I think people respect mm. it like Power of the Dog, but I think it will ultimately be more of like a one or two uh win thing. Yeah, and th- and that's why you know, that you talk about being a bummer and I loved that conversation last year. That's <laughs> yeah. why, and, and, and you were right. You, you called it, you said, yeah. I, you know, it led with nominations and it was the critics darling and ultimately it got beat. And that's why the Banshees of in a sheer and may struggle. Um, mm. because it, that's a heavy film. And I, I was really excited about that movie. One of my most sort of anticipated of the year. And I struggled with it in some sense because it was just so heavy. And, I just wonder, you know, Martin McDonough there's a fantastic director, how that will go down, because it is a heavy piece. And so that brings in, the, you know, Top Gun and the Fablemans, because All Quiet's not exactly Sunshine and Rainbows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I'd like to, I, you know, I'd like to see Avatar do well. I have to say I don't like films in 3D, and I'm not a massive science fiction fan, but I loved Avatar 2 in IMAX 3D. How he made that movie will baffle me to the end of my days because it was just like, wow. Um, I don't understand how that movie's not a best animated feature. As somebody's going to need to explain these things to me because it's mocap versus what I don't care. Uh, it just yeah. it, it boggles my mind that movie is mm. way more animated than Marcel the Shell, uh, yeah, and I, I, I don't get it. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to my world. There are many things <laughs> I don't get, and the Oscars is one of them. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's good that I brought you on as an Oscar expert then. Thank you, David, for, for being <laughs> on with us. Um, anything to, to plug or anything? You're going to be on uh, Mike, Mike, and Oscar soon? Any of that stuff? Yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to my good friend and uh co-producer presenter craig fields he got married at the end of last year yeah um, wonderful day at his wedding so we've had a little bit of a break from the podcast because 
I'm no longer the most important thing in his life. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry to hear for- that, but I get it. <laughs> but I'll, I'll forgive him. We'll, we'll be back. Um, we're going to be back doing some uh, Is It Worth It uh, main main show episodes, uh, end of February, March. Sweet. Um, and then... And then, yeah, I'm going to be guesting on Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and any anyone else mad enough to have me. Uh, follow <laughs> me on Twitter at one David Long. Uh, I tweet a lot about the Oscars, particularly Oscars betting. Uh, so if you want to lose your mind and probably money, come follow me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Much appreciated, David, as always. Uh, and obviously, for anyone, if this is your first time listening, maybe in the UK, any of that stuff, please. Check us out, subscribe us, uh, you know, go back in other episodes, give us five stars, do the whole thing, and be sure to join us uh, for more recent activity. <laughs>